The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning, June the 22nd, 2022. It is 8.03 here in the city of Tucson. And if you're listening on the AM side at 1490, or if you're listening on the FM side at 104.9, I appreciate you. If you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or via your Alexa-enabled devices. I appreciate you. And if you're listening somehow crazily in the future right now because you have downloaded the podcast, which you can find on all of your podcast locations, or you can just follow the link from ESPNTucson.com, I also appreciate you as we try to bring you live and local uh, sports news, entertainment, opinions, all that kind of thing here on the Jeff Dean Show every single weekday, 7 to 9 a.m. We're continuing our conversation about Rob Gronkowski and his legacy that he's going to be leaving behind on the NFL. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I, like everyone else, I think who is, is familiar with kind of how this all goes, I'm skeptical of whether he has really played his final NFL game. Because this could just be a situation where he's like, I don't want to go to training camp. I don't want to, you know, do this whole thing and go through an entire season. I know where my value is. My value is in helping Tom and teams win Super Bowls. So uh, when they need me, I'll be here. If, if they're in a position to get themselves to, uh, you know, a South Division title, possibly to a, a, you know, a one or a two seed in the NFC this year, and in a position to get them to a Super Bowl run, NFC Championship run, I'll be ready and available. And I think he will be. And he certainly will be an influence on the team if he does. Because as, as much as people talk about Tom Brady being the greatest of all time, and I'm not here to discuss that. You know, that's, we've had that discussion. I, I think, you know, uh, it depends on what you're looking for. I like to look at championships and, you know, stability and toughness and leadership and all that kind of stuff, some of the intangibles. Uh, and in that, in that situation, I do think that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. But if you look at Gronk, when he came into the league in 2010, he has been the second-best player on the team. Second-best player on the team. Outside of the year when Randy Moss was there, when they went undefeated through the regular season, and they put up all kinds of numbers. And strangely enough, you know, that was, you know, that was Rob's, like maybe his, I don't want to say his worst statistical year, but he, you know, his numbers that year, eh, especially in the postseason, obviously, uh, you know, weren't weren't the best. But if you look at you know all the you know everything else that you know that they did that year, I mean, I, he did have, you know, his. I shouldn't say this. That was technically his best statistical year. I think that was the best statistical year any tight end has ever had. He caught seventeen touchdowns that year. But you, I mean, they obviously lost the Super Bowl, and that's kind of where I'm going with this. Is uh, as much as they had this high flying offense and things were were cooking and they were scoring a ton of points and they set the NFL record for points in a season and all this other stuff. They didn't win the Super Bowl. He had two catches in the Super Bowl. Like they completely shut him down and the Patriots weren't able to move the ball and they weren't able to score. They just let Randy Moss run to the sidelines and dared Tom Brady to throw it over the top. And they, and they did it once in the game. It was too little too late. But in my opinion, 
Rob Gronkowski, and I don't, I don't think it's just mine. I think a lot of people share this opinion, that he was the second best player on that team for his entire career. The second best player to the greatest player of all time. So if you're the second best player on that team to the greatest player of all time, then where does that put you at your position in regards to greatest of all time? Let's look at the list, okay? Let's look at the, the best tight ends. These are, these are my picks for the best tight ends of all time, okay? And this is not in any particular order. I didn't really want to just list them in order. There are plenty of people who have. But this is my opinion of the best tight ends of all time. I've got Jackie Smith and Mike Ditka on that list because I think that they, look, for what they did, I thought they were phenomenal, and I think that, that Rob is a lot like both of them in a lot of ways. I put Ozzie Newsom on the list. Dave Casper is absolutely on that list. I think Rob and, and Dave are very similar. Dave was, you know, 6'5", 250 pounds, had incredibly good hands, had a huge catch radius, uh, played the game a lot like Gronk, looked to make contact with people, would drag tacklers into the end zone a lot like Gronk did. Like, their games were very, very similar, um, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I like, you know, Jason Witten was a phenomenal tight end for the Dallas Cowboys for so many years. And he's the all-time leader in games played for tight ends, 271. Uh, he played in, in his career. He was, you know, Mr. Dependable. He's a guy that retired and came back, right? John Mackey, of course, you know, one of the guys – you know, Mackey, I think a lot of people consider Mackey, you know, the greatest tight end of all time. If you, and I'm not trying to like, you know, you know, crap on anybody here. It wasn't known for having great hands, right? John Mackey was a guy, he was like, he was like Jim Brown, but playing the tight end position. Like you had, like he had to catch the ball first, but then if he caught the ball, like forget about it. Like he was, he was going to run through, around, over, uh, uh, past. He, he was such a phenomenal athlete in the open field. He just he, like he would just crush people in the in the open field. That's what made him so good. You know, you've got I mentioned Shannon Sharp. He's definitely on the on my list of greatest tight ends of all time. You've got Kellen Winslow Sr., who changed the position. He was the you know, the, the tall, slender tight end that they'd line up out, at wide receiver outside the numbers at times. He would run routes, you know, that were more conducive to a wide receiver's run, a route tree than it was a tight end tree. He was, you know, very different. Eric Coriel, of course, uh, Joe Gibbs, they, all, they innovated that offense and really made Kellen Winslow, uh, you know, made the tight end position a down-the-field, over-the-top, where safeties had to come into play covering and backpedaling against tight ends, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of changed the position, and they were able to do that because of Kellen Winslow, because he's a phenomenal athlete that he was. But in my opinion, the three best tight ends of all time, and I, like, I don't think that, that many people will put up too much of a fight with this. And, and look, I love the old guys. I think that you know Dave Casper and Jackie Smith and John Mackey and Ozzie Newsom and Mike Ditka, they are all great. I mean, they were fantastic, phenomenal tight ends. I don't think that they were as good as the three best on my list. The three best on my list. and These I do have in order. I do have these in order, but I won't announce them in order. Just I, 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 But I do have them in, my, you know, in order here on my sheet. I have, of course, the aforementioned Tony Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski, and Antonio Gates. Those are, in my opinion, the three best tight ends of all time. Antonio Gates played till he was 40. 
He was a basketball player at, at what Kent State. Basketball player, obviously a, a you know a massive talent, incredible athleticism, was just one of those guys that he was the reason. Like well, both both he and Gonzo for that matter, because Gonzo obviously being the you know the, the another you know a good basketball player as well. They they kind of they were the reason like why we look at guys in the you know in 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 basketball like Kofi Coburn right people are like what would he look like in an, an NFL uniform playing tight end six foot nine two hundred and ninety pounds and able to run and and catch the way that he can you know people are like LeBron James six eight two fifty five in the open field forget about it he runs like a gazelle right so people make those those comparisons now because of the likes of Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez. And I think that, you know, Antonio Gates put together a phenomenal career. And 116 touchdowns in his career, best all-time at the position, that's huge. You know, unfortunately, Chargers didn't get to a damn Super Bowl, uh, and he wasn't able to, you know, to show his talents in the in the postseason and really get a ring. Same for Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez. I mean, his, his stat line is insane. I mean, I mean, Granted, he he played a ton of years, right? What he played seventeen years in the NFL, something like that. Yeah, seventeen. Twelve for Kansas City, five for Atlanta. Numbers are off the charts. Number one all time in uh, in yards, right? Number one in, in fifteen thousand receiving yards. Number two, uh, number one in receptions for tight ends. Number number two all time in receptions. Caught one hundred eleven touchdowns. I mean, the guy was a machine, and. I was a huge Tony Gonzalez fan when he was playing. People ask you that question. Like, as a sports fan, if, you, if you've never been asked this question, you got the wrong friend. You're hanging out with the wrong people. They'll ask you, who's your favorite player in the league that's not on your favorite team? Like, so, like, my buddy's like, okay, who's your favorite player that's not a San Francisco 49er? And my answer almost every single year was Tony Gonzalez until Rob Gronkowski came into the league. Tony Gonzalez was my answer to that question from – you know, 1998 to 2010, nearing the end of his career. He was my favorite player in the league, not playing for my favorite team. I love Tony Gonzalez. I have a friend who lived next door to him. Great guy. People, you know, people love the guy. He's, he's, you know, and I still, the, the, uh, is it the, is it the, the, the United Way commercial? I can't remember, whatever charity commercial that the NFL was running. The one where he's in the kitchen and they're like throwing him like turkeys and stuff, and he's supposed to catch them. And they're like, "Nice hands, Butterfingers," you know. And the, it's like slips through his hands, and he's like sulking because he can't catch the turkey. Like that's hilarious stuff to me. Like I, I think being able to make fun of yourself and laugh at yourself is like that's one of the keys to life. Like if you can't laugh at yourself, you can't laugh at anything. And I love that about Tony Gonzalez. And I still think to this day that he is probably the greatest tight end of all time because he did have that unique mixture of longevity, pass-catching ability, and he was also a good run blocker. Really, once he kind of learned the position better, because remember, you know, Gonzo, he he wasn't exactly a, a groomed tight end, right? Coming into the NFL, like he had to kind of learn the position a little bit because he was still undecided which direction he was going to go. He was a hell of a basketball player. So he had to kind of 
learn the position at the NFL level. He learned it quickly because within two years, he was being voted to the AP All-Pro position uh, at the tight end position and stayed there for like nine consecutive years. Like a ridiculous, you know, run of AP number ones there. I, I still think that he's the greatest of all time, but there is a discussion for Rob Gronkowski. And the reason for that is, number one, his, his influence in the postseason obviously cannot be, you know, it, can, it cannot be taken back. And look, I may, I may talk myself into changing my list here while I'm talking on the air. While I put the list together yesterday and this morning, I'm like, I still think Gonzo's the best, but Gronk is like 1A. One, one like Gonzo's 1, Gronk is 1A. And I'm trying to be, I'm trying not to be biased because I know the family and like my family knows their family and they vacationed together and stuff. Like, I, like I'm trying to like hold it all aside, right? Trying not to be totally biased here. Like, Rob oh, Gronkowski's by far and away the best tight end of all time. Not going to be that dude. Trying to keep it in perspective here. I may talk myself into it, though, because of the success that he had in the postseason. Yes, I know. Gonzo, you got you know you got to get there with the team. The team has to get you there. And he played with subpar quarterbacks for a lot of the time. And I get all that, right? I'm taking I'm taking all that into into account here. I know for a fact. This is only because I studied this because Gronk has been my favorite player in the league since he came into the league. And I I studied and I watched him and I read articles about him. And I remember an article that came out in two thousand. It was either 2016 or 2017. I don't remember which one it was. They did a, stist- a statistical analysis of Gronkowski's, and it was this was like in the the New England Journal or whatever newspaper it was. They did a statistical breakdown of the running game because the Patriots were were uh, struggling to get the run going, where in previous years they were you know one of the better run teams yards per carry in the league. You know, they were going up against the I think at the time it was like the number one rushing defense in the league, which was the New York Jets for like three consecutive years, and they would always run the ball well against them, and they could fig- like, people couldn't figure out why. Like, why are the Patriots averaging 4.9 yards per carry when the rest of the league is averaging 2.6? Well, they did like a statistical breakdown. And in it, 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 it was like a five-year span of plays that they, that they went and did this. And I remember looking at this because I was like, I was shocked at the numbers. When – the offense ran the ball away from Rob Gronkowski's side, from the side where he lined up. They averaged 2.9 yards per carry. When they ran the ball to Gronk's side, they averaged 5.8 yards per carry. That's three yards per carry difference over a five-year span of time, just depending on what side of the line of scrimmage you run the football to. Three yards. Folks, I don't... Uh, like I, I know it sounds infinitesimal right here because nine feet, it, like oh, what, what's what's the big deal here? Three yards is massive in the game. Being being, <coughs> pardon me. Being second and five is a hell of a lot better than being second and eight, right? Third and two is a world's difference than being third and five. That was the difference that Rob Gronkowski made over a five-year span of time between – I'm pretty sure it was between 2012 and 2017. I think that's that was when the, the, the study was made. He was the best offensive lineman they had when it was considered that the Patriots had the best offensive line in the league. 
They didn't sack Tom Brady. They were solid. They were always consistent. They ran the ball well against everybody. Ran the ball exceptionally well against the best defenses in the league, specifically the Jets. But really, what they broke it down to was, well, when they run the ball weak side, and, and look, you can say, well, weak side, running the ball weak side is always going to yield fewer yardage. That's not always true. Not always true. But for a consistent amount of time, for five years, to get three more yards, just running the ball strong side with Gronk on the field, it, 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 that, like that tells you everything you need to know about how good he was at his job, period. And would also catch five balls in, that, in those games, you know, over his career, for 4.9 a game, I think it was, for his career, yard catches per game. So five catches in a game, 65 yards and a touchdown. You can't, you can't get better production out of a player than that, period, at any position. Like, your, your quarterback could have a rating of 140 that day and still say, you know what, the reason we won the game is because of Rob Gronkowski, because he didn't allow a sack. He had zero penalties in the game. Uh, when we ran strong side, we ran for 97 yards on 13 carries. Oh, by the way, he also caught five balls for 65 yards and a big touchdown in the red zone. Like, you can't get better production out of a player than that. That's what he averaged for his career was that kind of stuff. It wasn't flash-in-the-pan type of thing. And he did it in the regular season and in the postseason. See, I'm talking myself into this now, and I hate it. I hate it that I'm sitting here just talking, and I'm talking myself into this because I really I was like, oh, I'm going put, to put Gonzo for it. I'm, I'm trying to remember back to watching him play and how much they dominated. And I still I, – mm, mm. can we just have a tie? I hate ties. I can't deal with that. This is not soccer. This is why I don't like soccer because you can't have ties. Like, I just don't – I don't want it. I can't do it. Now I'm having a real hard time here trying to figure out Who's, who's the best of all time? Tweet at me. Tweet at UAZ Voice. If you have Twitter, and look, I don't blame you if you don't. Tweet at me, at UAZ Voice, who is the best tight end of all time. And look, try to keep bias out of it. I know that I'm speaking to people in Tucson who love Rob Gronkowski. I, I go to the, trust me, I, I've been to every football game except for two home games in the last 14 years. I see people wearing the 48 Gronkowski jersey all the time. I get the love for him. And look, again, like I said open, you know, in, in the beginning of the show, he may be the most loved, the most liked, the most lovable professional athlete that we've had in a long time. Like, like, you're you're hard-pressed to find somebody like a fan of them, like a, like a Cowboys fan or an Eagles fan or maybe Jets fans and Dolphins fans and Bills fans. May not, I, I probably, Bills fans are pretty realistic. I bet Bills fans love Rob Gronkowski. Plus, they're party people. Like, they throw people through tables and stuff. So, like, yeah, sure. Uh, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a fan base or even just a handful of fans of a, of a specific team that don't like Rob Gronkowski. He's, he's, he's got that persona, the big dumb animal. Like, he's just the most lovable big oaf. He's got you, he's got you fooled, though. He's a tricky one. He's a smart dude. He's sharp. The whole family's smart. Look at what they're doing with their, their ice shaker product. They were on uh, Shark Tank. Ice shaker became a million-dollar company overnight. They're huge. And that's Chris's deal more than it is Rob. But Rob obviously involved. The whole family's involved. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna end today's show, and I'll have a decision because I'll I'll have it figured out by then, and I'll reveal in the final segment what what I because as right now I'm like, <laughs> thought I was, I thought I was decided at the beginning, and now I'm I'm backpedaling because we've been talking about Gronk and how great he is and all this other stuff. I don't know. It tweet if you think it's 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 somebody else like if you think it's not either one of those guys. Gonzo or Gronk, that's fine. Like if you if you think it's it's John Mackey, sure. Look, I, I said John Mackey was an amazing athlete. It was like having Jim Brown play the tight end position. Couldn't catch the ball, literally. Like with, you watch watch highlights of John Mackey. Now, granted, they're not going to watch. They're not going to show highlights of him bobbling the football. But every catch is a body catch. He couldn't he couldn't extend his arms out and catch the ball. That's like not, he was he was a body catcher. He dropped a ton of passes in his career. Again, that's. Not everybody's perfect. I get it. I still like Dave Casper. To me, Dave Casper is one of the greatest of all time. Like I just, and I again, I probably influenced by his brother. Who remember, I I used to I see Ed all the time. I talk to Ed a lot, and uh, he's always hitting me up about stuff. We talk about Dave a lot, and I think that Dave is certainly top six, probably of all time. Ghost to the post had the best name, right? The Ghost. Casper. I love it. All right. We're going to take a time out. When I return, uh, we'll get into some more uh, some more NFL news and such as out there. Daniel Snyder. Can we just be done with this dude? Like, just be done. I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of having Daniel Snyder stories pop up. They just force him to sell the team. Do it for once in your life. You'll feel much better if you're the NFL. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Oh, man. See, this is the problem with doing morning radio. Like, I get this stuff sent to me for, like, food. And I can't eat this for like another three hours. Now, I, I'm going to start by saying this is just because I need to protect the license, right? At all costs, protect the license. Larry right now, the, our boss, is like, thank you, Jeff. This is not a plug for this restaurant chain. I am not being paid to say this. I am not being given any kind of benefits behind the scenes or under the table or off the record from this company for talking about this. I literally just saw this. It was a, a media release, and uh, it just captured my eye. It captured my stomach. Now, Buffalo Wild Wings, okay, great sports bar, and, of course, all across the country, they're, they're very well known. There's locations in Tucson. Are now introducing a new way to eat their chicken tenders. They're called bird dogs. Folks, this is a a breaded chicken tender, like a like a big chicken tender, that's been placed inside of a brioche hot dog style bun. And they come in three variations. <clears throat> they have a loaded bird dog with beer cheese and wild honey mustard. They have a honey barbecue bird dog that comes with fries and Buffalo Wild Wings honey barbecue sauce. Or they offer the buffalo bird dog, which comes with ranch, 
cabbage slaw and buffalo wild wings, medium buffalo sauce if you're a sissy. Go for a little spicier. You know, throw some throw some wild on there. Why not, folks? I'm looking at these things like <laughs> I want six of them right now. Like, why do they have to do this? <laughs> Eight thirty in the morning. Hey, everybody, look at this delicious new food you can't have for three hours. Now I'm starving. Like I'm looking at these things. These things look delicious, by the way. And I'm look. I'm sure they don't look like this when they come to your table. They may look close to this. But my goodness, and they, they just they, they just launched today. They're starting June 22nd. They're hitting menus at Buffalo Wild Wings locations across the country. Holy smokes. These things look ridiculous. And, and when I say ridiculous, I mean ridiculous in a good way. Like ridiculous, like I want six of them in my face. Oh, boy. I'm trying, I'm trying to lose weight here, folks. I'm trying to, like, do good. I'm trying to eat salads here. I'm trying to have healthy breakfast, like fruit for breakfast and stuff, and doing some smoothies and uh, uh, vegetable proteins and stuff like that. Like, I'm trying to do better. Doctors like Jeff, y- you, can't, y- you can't continue the, the direction that you're on. And then Buffalo Wild Wings comes out with this, bird dogs. Come on, man. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> Quite literally. All right. Uh, let's see where are we at. Let's, I I got sidetracked because I was like, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this next. And then you know, you know Daniel Snyder. And then I get sent this email, and they're like, hey, check this out. Fat men rejoice. We have bird dogs now. Damn it. All right, I'll take a timeout. I need to I need to I need to reset after. What I really need to do is just get a napkin here to wipe the drool off of my face looking at these damn things all right i'll take a time out when i return we'll start talking about some more national nfl news and everything else that's next here on the jeff dean show the jeff dean show on espn tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos desert diamond is true tucson back to the jeff dean show on 1490 am 1049 fm espn tucson Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. So, I, look, the, the, the NFL, if, if if they didn't have enough ammunition yet, they most certainly will have some probably by the start of the season, is what I'm guessing, to force a sale of the Washington Commanders by now owner Daniel Snyder. And when I say the NFL, I mean the other 31 NFL owners, the collective of owners in the NFL. Obviously, the Packers are not, you know, they're, they're a publicly owned team. Um, <clears throat> the the uh, U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform is conducting an investigation onto whether or not there was, um, you know, essentially workplace issues within the Washington Commanders organization. In a 29-page memo that was released this morning, the committee accused Commander's owner Daniel Snyder of conducting a, quote, shadow investigation aimed at discrediting accusers and pushing blame for the situation toward former team president Bruce Allen. Now, the shadow investigation resulted in, now this is per the committee, the uh, the Committee on Oversight and Reform, <clears throat> a 100-slide dossier with emails, text messages, telephone records, and social media posts from journalists, victims, and witnesses 
who had made credible public accusations of harassment against the commanders. Now, this shadow investigation resulted in some ways that it had sent private investigators to the homes of the team's cheerleaders. The committee also claims that Snyder gathered thousands of emails at, uh, aimed at proving that Allen was the culprit of the harassment and not Snyder, and that Allen had created the toxic culture within the organization. Now, among those emails were emails that were leaked eventually to the media regarding former Raiders head coach John Gruden and general, uh, NFL general counsel Jeff Pash. <clears throat> so now I think we're starting to understand where the leak came from. This was, according to the House committee that is investigating this whole thing, all done in-house by Daniel Snyder to try to discredit the accusers and try to put the blame on former President uh, on former President uh, um, what can't think of his name Allen Bruce Allen. So now we're kind of getting to see. All right, well, okay. We were all wondering where those leaks came from. We thought that the NFL may have leaked them for whatever beef they had. And, and uh, to me, I mean, I talked about on the show, the potential for the NFL leaking the, those emails and such, certainly, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. But the one question always lingered to me, and I said it on the air. Like, why? Like, why on earth would the NFL want to step on the head of John Gruden on their way up you know, the next rung of the ladder. Like, what, what what reason would they have for targeting John Gruden? And my only real explanation for that, my only opinion, was that they found some information that would expose a former employee of being racist and insensitive towards women and all kinds of other things, that the NFL wanted to prop them up and, and looking making themselves look more progressive by saying, look, we investigate these things and we make sure that we get rid of people who are spreading hate within our, with, you know, with, you know, underneath our shield. And that's really the only reason that I think that they would have, and it's not a good concrete reason anyways. Now, if, if these emails and such were leaked by Daniel Snyder himself because of this quote-unquote shadow investigation that he conducted – in trying to discredit and trying to push pass blame on to former President Bruce Allen, then we know, okay, <laughs> now we know where those came from. And the NFL was like, oh, wh- what is this? No, we can't have this. <clears throat> and then, of course, the NFL would denounce John Gruden and Bruce Allen and Jeff Pash and all the you know, anybody else involved in these emails that were deflammatory to you know to you know to groups of people, women. Uh, you know, homosexuals, uh, people of other race, whatever have you. Okay. The other, the NFL owners are already massively pissed at Daniel Snyder, anyways, because remember the story that came out uh, like three, four months ago that he was withholding <laughs> uh, shared money. Basically, like he was in in the in the offer plate that is being passed around at church. Right. You got your you got to give your 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 tithing. You know, the offer plate comes around, or the the little bag or whatever, the the velvet bag that they pass around, whatever. He was just like faking, like he was putting money in there and it would pass it on for years. Money that was was supposed to be divvied up amongst the other owners, 
he was just keeping for himself. Now, I've said this for a long time. <clears throat> the NFL owners, people of, of power, CEOs and stuff like that, in, in any, regardless of, of the organization, NFL or any kind of, of big corporation, whatever, they will put up with a lot. They will sweep a lot under the rug, so to speak, whether it's allegations of mistreatment or whatever have you. But as soon as you mess with their money, that's when action gets taken, right? Like, don't mess with their money because that's when things start to move. And Daniel Snyder messed with their money. And now he's given the entire league a black eye. Like, they, like this does not look good, that this guy was allowed to, to operate as the owner of one of the marquee organizations in this league for years doing all this crap like this is and again reputation is one thing and the the owners will move on past it but right now this looks so bad and nobody wants to be standing shoulder to shoulder well they wouldn't be shoulder to shoulder it'd be more like like belly button to shoulder with daniel snyder because he's about he's a little guy but regardless the nobody wants to stand next to this guy right now like he he's he's dirty he's tainted he's filthy Nobody wants to be around this dude. And you can't, you can't have that in an organization in a situation like the NFL. You, as the owners, because you want to make sure that you're getting the one-up on the players at all times, at all costs, you need to be working in concert with one another. This, this is why they don't want former players buying teams, because they know that those guys will be pro players unless they have had a change of heart over the years and have become more of the corporate company man uh, once they retired from the NFL. Chances are they're probably not. You know, the, you know the, the, the TV show Ballers that was on HBO for so long, it, phenomenal TV show with The Rock. It just, I mean, great, great, great show. I, I never missed an episode. I've watched, I've rewatched them several times. It's just entertaining as hell. It's a great show. The NFL hated that show like they hated that that content was out there because although it was a fictional depiction of the NFL nonetheless it was very real very real and the final salvo on that show essentially was when the rocks character purchased the Kansas City Chiefs and started saying okay we are no longer a league for the owners we are a league for the players and it changed, like you know, changed a bunch of things. And you know, fortunately, that's kind of where it ended. Uh, and you know, I'm sure that there was plenty of pressure from the Shield to put a stop to that nonsense. And I'm sure that some people over at HBO probably caved, whatever have you. I don't know the ins and outs of that whole thing. That's a whole different story to uncover for another day. But the NFL don't want players owning teams because they can't have it that way. So. The owners have to be working in concert with one another. And if you have this guy, who's a complete piece of trash, obviously, right? We, we'd known this for years. Like, I knew it when I, you know, I would talk to former players that played for the Washington Redskins at the time. And they would say things like, oh, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't call him Daniel. You had to call him Mr. Snyder. Like, he would come into the meetings, and he would have to be greeted as Mr. Snyder. Hello, Mr. Snyder. Like, what is this, kindergarten? <laughs> the guy's just a complete egomaniac, and he's a piece of trash. He treats people terribly. And he's not the only one in the world that does this, but come on. 
Like, do we have enough evidence now? Can we just can we just be rid of this guy and let that Washington football team move forward in a in a in a positive direction? Because you hate to see it. I mean, you really do. Even <clears throat> even if you're a, an Eagles fan or a Giants fan or Cowboys fan, you hate to see it, right? You don't want to see a, a team like that with that kind of rich history be just dragged through the mud because of a pile of trash owner. I, I, I certainly don't like to see it. Again, I, I don't have a rooting interest in it one way or the other. But I, I, I just I feel like for the, for the sake of the league, it is imperative that they get this dude out of there as quickly as possible. Like, this is ridiculous. Sending p- private investigators to the homes of the cheerleaders. Could you imagine being a cheerleader who makes 50 bucks a game and all of a sudden a PI shows up at your house and is like, hey, uh, we need to talk to you about some things. Uh, Mr. Snyder sent us here to, to ask you some questions. That would be like <laughs> that would be like the CEO of ESPN National, like in Connecticut, right? Coming to Phoenix and knocking on my door and being like, hey, I need to ask you some things about uh, these people that you have no idea who they are. I'd be like, what? What? No, I, I, like I just, I just do a radio show in Tucson. Like, and just we're just in Philly. Like, I don't, like I'm not. You guys don't sign my checks. Like, I got, you know, what, what, what? Why would I have an opinion on what your, you know, the accountant of your soccer division has been doing? I don't know. Like, I don't know the person. Like, how, how the hell should I know? Why would you send PIs to the homes of the cheerleaders? Unless you just wanted to be a filthy, stinking dirt ball like Daniel Snyder. Gross. I, I mean, seriously, gross. Get him out. It, 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 the owners just need to step up, do the work for Roger Goodell, vote this piece of trash out, and get somebody in there that will that will run that team with some respect and some decorum. Like, that's just unbelievable. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Let's take a look at the latest mock draft. I'm just going to stick with Jonathan Giboney. He's done well in the past. I think he's pretty well dialed in. And even though he does have some clickbait out there, I believe that's more of the uh, directive of his mothership telling him to do that as opposed to really what he would rather be doing, which is just digging his heels in and getting inside information. According to Giboney's latest mock draft, he has Benedict Matherin going fifth overall to the Pistons but still isn't quite sure if the Kings are sold on Jade and Ivy at the number four pick and says that Matherin is certainly in play at the number four pick for the Kings. And the Kings could just move out of that pick altogether. They, the Kings are they're kind of the linchpin in this, in this whole draft process <clears throat> this year. We know who the top three picks are going to be. We don't know exactly in what order they're going to occur. I believe it's going to be Jabari Smith, number one overall, he reminds me so much of Kevin Durant. Uh, I think it's Jabari Smith, number one. Chet Holmgren, number two. His upside is incredible. Uh, and Paolo Banquero, who also has some great upside. Needs to work on a lot of things, but has a lot of upside, of course. 
Uh, I believe he will go number three in this draft. But those will be the top three players taken. Then after that, Sacramento is really the linchpin in this whole thing because, you know, they the whole De'Aaron Fox, Davian Mitchell thing really hasn't worked out for them. They're looking for a new primary ball handler or at least someone that will work well alongside of De'Aaron Fox, Davian Mitchell. I don't know if Jaden Ivey's that guy. Jaden Ivey might be the – the fourth best player in this draft. I don't know. He certainly is exciting, and he played. You know, he had a, he had a great two seasons uh, at Purdue. Uh, he's he's, a, he's an electric player, but uh, you know, if if he's not the right fit, obviously you got to move in another direction. I think I still think Sacramento may trade out of that. Uh, that they may give up that number four pick to uh, to someone else, and Jaden Ivey may be the pick there at number four, but. If they stick with that pick and they don't have any suitors for another ball handler, or if they don't have, um, you know, a way to move De'Aaron Fox, I don't think Jaden Ivey's the fit. I think Benedict Matherin is the better fit. I think he plays better with that backcourt than bringing in another slasher ball handler guy like Jaden Ivey. So there's a situation where Ben could go number four overall and then, you know, upsetting the every team behind him, the, the, the Pistons, the Pacers who want him, um, and the, you know, the Blazers, and of course the Pelicans are salivating over the opportunity to possibly draft uh, Benedict Mathen. There's no way he's going past number eight, I guarantee you. Guarantee he's not good, He's not getting past number eight. Um, but he could go as high as number four. So I, I agree with the assessment here of, uh, of Giveney basically saying that Matherin is the fourth or fifth pick in this draft, and I, I, I 100% agree with that. Looking now, Dalen Terry continues to move up the uh, the mocks. He continues to impress based on his individual workouts, his pro workouts that he had, his interviews that he had with general managers and coaches. They love him. They just think that his his character qualities are off the charts, and they're right. I mean, Jay, you know, Dalen is one of the good guys. Like he is a good dude. We saw the video of him with the kids at Tommy Lloyd's camp, right? Like, you saw that video on, on the socials. If you didn't, check it out. It's, it's wonderful. Giveny now has Dalen going number 21 overall to the Nuggets. be an interesting fit. Certainly working alongside Jokic. You get Jamal Murray in there. You never know what Michael Porter is going to do, whether he's going to be healthy or not. Sure. And, and when you look now, he has uh, he has Coloco going number thirty six overall to the Blazers. So this would be a situation where the Wildcats get three players drafted in the top thirty six of the draft. Like I said, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to this, and we'll have a more in depth look tomorrow at the mocks, and and I'll try to get an expert on if we can. It's it's early for people, so um, I still think Coloco could go top thirty two. I really do. I really think there's a team that could move up into that top 32, top 33 somewhere and give the Wildcats a, you know, a third pick essentially there in the 32, maybe even in the top 30. Three first-round picks is not out of the realm of possibility for sure. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. They're going to have a great show for you, as they always do. And then I will see you guys again tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., our usual time right here on ESPN Tucson. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work. I'll see you guys again tomorrow for another edition of the Jeff Green Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.